Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 121. I'm your host, Am, and with me is my regular host, Jackson. Hello. And we have a guest. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, um, my name's Scarlett, and um, I'm here to talk about video games. That's uh, right. It's time. That's video what we games. do here. We talk about video games. Jackson, I'm going to ask you first, what have you played this month? I've played a bit of Deathloop. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't have too much to say about it, but it's not its not really been a gaming time for me. Yeah, um, no, that's why you went first. <laughs> which is different from a lot of the other times I haven't played video games in where I've been like, oh, no. Uh, but this time I'm just watching anime and I'm at peace with not playing many games, so it's fine. That's actually a market improvement. Um, but I did play a bit of Deathloop. Um, that game's fun. Uh, I'm I'm curious what you'll think about it when you play it because it's definitely like a minimalist reduction of the immersive sim uh, that Arcane makes put into a kind of repetitive roguelike structure because obviously it's not actually a roguelike in many ways like the level design can't be randomized the enemies aren't really randomized uh, and a, a lot of it is about learning the things that aren't randomized so you can like get through them faster. And so I'm I'm at the start of the like loop, but I can definitely see maybe in 15 hours this becomes really annoying. Uh, but people seem to say it doesn't do that. So hopefully, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it will, like will play out the loops when you're doing the same maps over and over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. But for the early game, it, it's good fun. Uh, what, I literally like I looked up, um, you know, I went to the menu. I saw all right, which guy has the blink? Who do I steal to get the blink? Made a beeline to him, killed him, got the blink, and then the game became like about ten times better. There you go. <laughs> because you just don't start with the blink, and damn, you need that blink. That's my that's my uh, death loop review. Um, okay. Actual actual takeaway is the uh, the writing which. So every every advertisement for that game was like this seems bad, uh, like all this like goofy. Uh, oh, we made wet again. Back and forth. Yeah, all we made wet again. Oh, who who could say? Um, and the thing, the, the 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 pleasant surprise was it was basically literally every bad assumption I had about what the game was was true in terms of it being like a banter back and forth. Uh, these people kind of want to fuck, but they also hate each other, and they're gonna give you jokes every ten, you know, every time you die. And there's, there's like gamer chat in the like 
um, you know, terminals you hack into. So everything that I expected was there, but it was just written better than I thought. So it's not actually that bad. It's actually pretty good. Uh, turns out if you do good writing, it's fine. Um, That's the difference. Is- the, the difference in good writing and bad writing is quality. <laughs> cool. And I was like, oh, it's, it's all the things that I like associate with like stuff that I don't like. It just was written well. So I had a good time. And I was like, damn, nice to see Arcane doing that. So what you're saying is it's like if Claudio Sanchez could write well. No! <laughs> it's, it's actually nothing really like that, but God. Oh. I just, the, the, the banter back and forth thing, like, reminds me so much of when you're talking about those comics. They are very, but those have, those have a very, because they're older comics, they have a classic, like, really mean, like, edgy, uh, early aughts banter. This is more in the spirit of, like, every post-Marvel game has to have everyone bantering back and forth, but it's written much better than I, like, you know, like I said, that's, that's why I thought it would be bad, but also was pleasantly surprised when it was just written well. Uh, this is always nice to see. Guardians of the Galaxy in stores next year. Oh, can I talk about Guardians of the Galaxy? It's so funny. No one's going to buy that game. That could be the greatest game ever made. It could be Breath of the Wild 2 with Grand Theft Auto and Metal Gear 5 crossed between it. it. Fucking no one gives a shit. That's so funny to me. I'm sorry. It's bleak. But damn. Wait, on what metric are you basing this? No one cares. Yeah, fair enough. No one on the planet cares about that game. Do you think it's just because no one bought, like, everyone who bought Marvel is disappointed in it? Um... The Avengers, that's what the game's called. It's not just called Marvel. I think it's a little column A and a little column B, which is no one cares about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I think it is at the MCU brand. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. I think there's a lot of people who like the Guardians. I just don't think they're people who play next generation video games. Well, I was going to go on to the next bit, which is I think that being into the MCU is a separate fandom that has not bled over into caring about the Guardians of the Galaxy conceptually. Oh, Um, that may be true. Which is why the Avengers game struggle, and it's going to be double true for a game with these characters in it, which people like widely don't care about outside of being connected to those movies that people like. Um, I think you are wrong about the affection people have for Guardians of the Galaxy characters. I think outside I am, of our awareness, I think that those people exist, and there's about ten of them. I, do, I think there's way more than ten. I think there's like ten million of them. Ten million people care about Star Lord. Yes. <laughs> 10 million people care about Star-Lord disconnected from Chris Pratt? I don't know about that. This is the second Guardians of the Galaxy video game. Remember that? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Telltale made You're... one. I just remembered it in this conversation oh, that Telltale God, did no. one of those. I don't remember that at all. The last Marvel movie really... I saw was Iron Man 2, so I can't contribute to this. Oh, oh I'm you're so living. Jealous. You're living free. Oh my god! <laughs> the last one you saw was Iron Man Two. That's amazing. Iron Man Two is a terrible film. <laughs> Iron so, Man Two is no, not a good movie. Way to get out. Yeah. I never really uh, cared about superheroes, and then they started coming out, and I was like, "Well, this seems novel because they're kind of good movies about superheroes." And then they just kept making them, and they got worse. And I was like, "All right, I'm, I'm just gonna stop now." This is this is wisdom. I don't have this kind of wisdom. So yeah, no, I'm so jealous. I had to wait until I was literally disgusted. And even then, if the right thing happens, I'll, I'll watch a stupid X-Men MCU movie, probably, and hate you, it. You will probably watch the next Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I'm just out on Spider-Man, the only one I really don't care about. <laughs> it's it's the, the next Doctor Strange one is um, Sam Raimi, so... Oh, yeah, I'll watch that then. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> get me in. So it's uh, not actually so hard to get ha- you in. Yeah, anyway. Have you, have you played anything this month other than our game club? Uh, I've been playing a whole bunch of games recently because they keep coming out. Um, I played Deathloop, but that was already discussed. I played Tales of Arise. I played Life is Strange Two Colors. Um, they're all kind of like the thing I like that series or developer for, but like more of it to some degree. Okay. Um, but I think the most interesting one is 
uh, Life is Strange True Colors because, first of all, it has um, a lot of the same stuff I liked the original for, like, six years ago. Um, but, like, the original Life is Strange kind of feels like a, like Baby's first queer game to me. And I think the new one, if you're in, getting into it as, like, a like a story about queerness, it, it's definitely better in that regard. Um, and also, I just think the the writing's a little better in general, that the mechanic is a little more interesting to me than the time mechanic, so uh, I heavily recommend that. Plus, it takes place in a, like, a very small, like, back, like, I don't know if the word backwoods is offensive, <laughs> like a, a very small town kind of in the middle of nowhere. And mm -hmm. that is, to me, so as someone who grew up living in, like, suburb and city areas much more interesting as a as a setting to experience than uh just a city or suburban area because i already know what those are like <laughs> mm -hmm. um does it have like the investigation stuff that was in the first game i didn't play the second one yeah um, so like the whole plot is sort of an investigation um they tell you what in the promotional material for some reason, even though it's played as a twist in the game, so I'll leave it okay. up to you individuals if they want to look up what the twist is or not, But because it happens in like mm -hmm. the first hour or two. But, um, but the whole thing is kind of like an investigation of a mystery um, with the social elements kind of like filtered in between that, um, but I think it works a lot better than the first game's investigation, which is like kind of like on the like it's not the focus early on and then all of a sudden it comes really into like encompasses the whole thing at the end whereas yeah. this one it's like kind of better balanced i guess <laughs> okay yeah because my favorite part of the first life is strange is that minute i think it might be in like the fourth chapter where you just have the big cork board with like all the stuff and you have to sit there and be like okay what's happening here and like the game makes you look at all of the data you've gathered and like put it together as like what your next step's going to be and, like games don't really do this especially like these narrative-based adventure games they're often just directing you towards the next plot beat um and i really liked the chance to like stop and do that and i was hoping that they would focus on that but it seemed like life is strange 2 was going for much more direct narrative focused storytelling stuff i will say fine. if you like that like specific moment there is a very parallelable moment in in the new one. Oh, cool cool yeah maybe i'll play that at some point then because i still uh i still like this style of game and i feel like they're the only people making it really at this point so yeah with telltale gone um the yeah. awkward thing though is that like buying the original life is strange i think it was like 25 dollars this one is only very slightly longer and is sixty dollars, which makes it harder to recommend just for like monetary oh, reasons. I will, I will wait in a year when it is fifteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it is on Game Pass. Yeah, that might be true too. Uh, I, I, they'll definitely be on Game Pass in like between you know twelve yeah. to eighteen months, right? Like, yeah, yeah, probably. Feels like something that is uh, perfect for that. I um. So my games uh. I played through Psychonauts 2, which I mentioned last episode, but I've since finished Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2 is really good. 
Um, Psychonauts is, you know, fan favorite, but as someone who just went back and played a bit of that game, like two months ago, plays really poorly. It's a, it's a bad video game to play. A lot of cool ideas, looks great, uh, plays very poorly. Psychonauts 2, they fix that. It's not like, it's not Super Mario, but it's like pleasant. It's mostly frictionless about like the jumping on stuff, which is good. I think the powers are really interesting. Uh, my only real complaint is there's, they give you like, eight powers and they're all useful and you can only slot four in at once. And so you're constantly going into the menu to swap powers in and out, which is very frustrating. Um, but I thought, I thought it was like good about its storytelling. Like they took a look at what worked about, you know, kid goes into people's brains and like reflects, like goes and investigates what made them tick and makes a bunch of weirdos go and tries to link that together. in like most people you're connecting to in this game are like people Raz looks up to and just, discerning that adults are complicated and not worth idolizing but not in a way that like tears that down just like oh you can relate to people's people and understand what makes them tick and help them through understanding them um it's way less find this person's one like phobia trigger and fix it uh it's it's specifically this game makes it very clear that going in and fixing people's brains is not a solution it is about understanding people and it's just like a nice like you know all ages sympathetic storytelling i liked it a lot i was really impressed by it um, it's a cool game. Uh, I'm glad they made it. I hope that, uh, Double Fine goes on to make cool games in, in the future. Um, cause you know, this was kind of before they were bought by Microsoft, but now they're an Xbox studio, which means they could have resources to do a bunch of cool things, or it could mean that they get subsumed into nonsense. Who can say? We'll find out. I hope, I think it's going to go all right. At least for the foreseeable future. Uh, yep. things seem decent for those studios. Stacking two. Let's go. <laughs> Stacking two. Psychonauts 2 is better than stacking. I think I think it's the best double fine game. Uh, I think it sits up there with like uh, Full Throttle and um, Grim Fandango as like Tim Schafer classics. I think it's oh, very good. Damn. For some reason, when you mentioned yeah. Double Fine and Microsoft, my brain went to Halo Point and Click Adventure. I would love that. That would be incredible. <laughs> There's so many things if, they could do with Halo that they choose not to. <laughs> what if Broken Age was about Master Chief and the Arbiter? I'm just asking. We could have anything. <laughs> I'm constantly so sitting here like, make an Arbiter game, for the love of God, that's all anyone wants. <laughs> that's like clearly no, what Halo 3 should have been, but they were too focused on the on the Master Chief like character. Yeah, they just point. like Master Chief too much, and I don't uh, get it, because he's boring. And Halo Infinite, after the uh, like no one liking the new guy in 5, they're like, no, Master Chief all the time, always Master Chief. Master the new Chief, guy was fine, Master Chief. he's fine, we should finish Halo 5. We should we finish Halo 5. But like, the idea that the thing is that Martha Chief isn't there and not that why haven't you done the Arbiter is ridiculous. Everyone, it is not that it was a different guy, it is the wrong different guy. Yeah. Um, and then I've been putting a bunch of time into World Flipper, which is the gotcha game um, from Kakao Games that came out this past month that is the, uh, it's the pinball gotcha game where you, you, you pull characters and you assemble a team much like uh, Grand Blue and uh, you do pinball matches. The thing about this game is it has a really, like, I think it's a relatively solid autoplay. So I play a lot of this game. I play maybe like 30, 40 minutes a day. I'm not doing anything for that. I, I hit I hit go and I watch some pinball happen while I'm like watching YouTube or eating lunch or whatever. And then I manage my team a little. And I send them back out again. Um, I'm playing it all automatically and I'm getting S pluses on everything. So I'm having a great time not playing this video game. But I do like it a lot. I do want to mention that I like it a lot. And I could be better... Like, I could be a better player if I turned off auto and it did, I played the video game for real. But, like, I'm doing, like, high-level, like, there's, like, boss raids where you get, get called in if you turn that on and help people out. I'm doing fine. Holding my own. Getting ones and twos in the rankings. 
auto-playing. So I feel like I don't need to do anything, actually. I'm fine. I guess I'm good enough at the, the team assembly part that I don't have to worry about that. But it's good. It's fun. It's cute. I like the characters. I ran out of story. I know there's... An, I think there's a new story now, so I should go back in and work on the story but much like what because i never i played gramble a little bit fell off before i got anywhere into the story i've never hit the end of story content for one of these um so it's been fun i don't know i wouldn't say i like recommend it if you like the gimmick of pinball you think the characters look good i thought the uh general art design was like pleasant that's why i got into this one yeah so that's it you don't have to play it it's a, it's a it's a thing <laughs> where you don't have to play it <laughs> video games fair enough uh, all right. With that, we should get into our game club. Yeah. game club this month is gravity rush 2 uh the sequel to gravity rush uh which is was a playstation vita game this game uh is by japan studio uh now defunct and uh came out on the playstation 4 in 2017 i played this originally when it came out because i really love gravity rush one um but uh you know we knew this was coming so i had jackson play gravity rush one a couple months ago was that like three or four months ago at this point yeah, a few months ago just to make sure i didn't play them back to back so, uh, Scarlett, why'd you pick Gravity Rush 2? Uh, yeah, so I I played the original Gravity Rush, like, way back when it was on the Vita. Um, and I loved that game, and very few other people, um, that I knew played it. And I kind of just always wished this series was, like, better known and better liked. Now it's too late for it to become, like, you know, like, something that would be ongoing, because, uh, Japan Studio, but um, I just love these games. Um, I want people to play them, um, and yeah, at, at the bare minimum, I got Jackson to play it. So, uh, yeah, thank <laughs> you. This game rips. Uh, Jackson, would you like to briefly explain <laughs> the plot of Gravity Rush Two? <laughs> I would not. I would not like to do that. <laughs> Well, will you do it anyway? <laughs> I'll do my best, but uh, even though I played it like this week, I'm gonna. All right, okay. So the the problem is my memory of the Gravity Rush one, and then apparently I missed an anime in the middle. I learned this earlier today. Uh, but in in Gravity Rush two, after the the plot of the first game, a storm uh, hits uh, uh, Hexaville and separates all the characters, bringing them to a new. Uh, area of the world called uh, 
Jirga Paralau, um, and Cat finds herself with Sid, uh, who is the like cop from the last game. The young, well, not the young detective. There's another actual young detective, but he's just uh, just a cop guy. Um, and uh, they are like in what the fleet called the the Banga village, uh, which are like a village that goes around doing mining. Uh, they sell to. Well, like, they have, like, a uh, leader called Lisa who makes everyone work really hard, but then she has to sell to Vogo, who treats her with shitty conditions, but then Vogo has to, like, sell to the city, which treats him like shit, and immediately we are thrust into this new city where everything sucks, and there is a very obvious class system where everyone is shitty to the people below them, but then terrified of the people above them. Uh, the way the game brings you into this is honestly really well done, uh, and the first half of the game, uh, or the first third of the game, I guess, is about... Uh, navigating the city and uh, eventually convincing everyone to uh, to rise up and fight uh, for the rights of the people against uh, the council, uh, and eventually you convince everyone to do so, um, and you do it. You, the, you know, Lisa uh, takes control of uh, Banga, and the council are like, "Well, let's see how well she can actually rule." <laughs> but then before that can go anywhere, uh, you immediately uh, like when you once you deal with like the council's. Uh, system and you kill the big gravity thing uh you end up uh through a rift back into hexaville only you meeting all the other characters from the first game and find out what's been going on uh in your hometown since uh since the last situation uh and dr brahman has become mayor and kind of made the city slightly more dystopian um he is fighting the other guys who last time when you were away made the city more dystopian <laughs> who are now rebels <laughs> Um, and you have to navigate this situation and resolve this too. Uh, Dr. Brahman wants to uh, freeze time and make everyone experience like a frozen time. He basically wants to do a human instrumentality plot because his daughter's in like a, a time coma and he wants to put everyone else in the same time coma so there is no conflict or experience and we are all one together. Um, you uh, try to stop him. Eventually, it is revealed that Ceci, who is uh, from the first city, uh, is like uh, part of his uh, crystal-powered daughters uh, who want to do this. And she shows up through a rift, and then you remember who make her remember who she is, and all the characters from the other place show up, and they team up with you, and you stop him, and it's a great time. Everyone saves the day together. Uh, good feel-good ending. Um, and then the credits roll, and then the game's like, hold up. We will not be making a third game. So here is a three-hour post-game campaign uh, where every single plot point that actually matters takes place, in which it is revealed. Uh, the reason that Cat fell to the city a few years ago was because she was the queen of the top of the world, and she was betrayed by her uh, retainers because she wanted to... Uh, protect the city from the like black ocean that is rising up above uh, was rising below uh, and swallowing everything lower on the world pillar and eventually it will reach the top and like nothingness will come uh, for everyone but she wants to like do something to help the people and they say no there's nothing can be done and uh, send her back down uh, there is some disagreement with the other gods as to like whether this should be done uh, this is what why she's being helped by the other people in the first game and by this point, uh, the people who did this absolutely regret doing this because the guy, the king they got to replace her uh, fucking sucks uh, and decides we should actually use the superpower to like control the darkness uh, and destroy everyone. And um, <laughs> Kat says no. 
uh, convinces everyone that this is the right thing to do and uh, fights uh, in order, like the super weapon of the city, uh, the bad king, and then like the manifestation of darkness itself. And everyone decides that they will live together. And uh, in order to safeguard against oblivion, uh, Cat becomes a singularity to protect everyone and holds off the darkness so people can continue to live. Uh, years later, or one year later, Raven's like, man, this sucks. Cat's uh, <laughs> gone. I'm lonely and sad. And then is searching for her. And she hears a cat meow uh, and turns around as it she like cuts to credits in a very we can still make a sequel move uh, that will not be going anywhere. But that's the plot of Gravity Rush 2. There's a lot happening in that game. A lot happening. So it was a very long and unwieldy summary because there's a lot going on and the first 25 hours basically don't matter uh, other than being like good. But then they're yes. like the third, the third hour is like completely unrelated and to do with all the stuff in the first game that didn't get addressed. Yes. Uh, so Gravity Rush itself, if you don't know, I guess, is a is a third person open world game in which Cat and Raven um, have gravity shifting powers. So you're running around a city taking missions, uh, but mostly you are like flying. And by that, it means redirecting gravity. So you are doing directed falls in specific directions. So you'll stop and hover, point in a direction and then shoot yourself off gravity wise, standing on the undersides and sides of things, collecting orbs uh, to level up. The first game uh, was very specifically focused on fly around the city and collect orbs. That's in this game, but very like marginalized in terms of like what they want you to be doing. There's still an upgrade system, but the upgrades are like not that interesting. And I mostly just like focus on the story replaying it because i remembered like i collected a bunch of orbs last time and didn't feel like it was that important so i just mostly played the video game straight through uh which was nice in its own way um <laughs> yeah because the, the, there's the orbs and then also there's like a lot of the the interesting powers have been like siphoned off to the equipment system which you need to do the yes. mining system to there's a lot of systems and like stuff to do in this game but also like a lot of the like a lot of things that would be upgrade tree stuff are you have two new like power forms like yes. you know toku style that you get in, like half of the game where you can swap to like a a light form that allows you to move faster and uh a heavy form that punches harder and ha like they each have different versions of your throw and your ultra attack and stuff like that um, they're pretty cool i love the other uh, other forms you live you basically get a right about like there there's a little uh effect on the voice every time you change it's so cool well, in between the last time I played Ground Rush 2 and now I've seen Toku shows and Cat and Raven are the epitome of a first and second rider. Yes. Literally, Cat does like rider kicks as her main attack. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like, it, I mean, it was realizing that like, I mean, it is it's still doing magical girl stuff. Like all these things are inspired by like, you know, Sailor Moon's inspired by uh, Sentai. By the, Sentai, yes. These yeah, are the same all... genre fundamentally, uh, but realizing just how strong the Toku stuff was here when I feel like mm -hmm. magical girl's not the normal pull. Well, it was good fun. I'm like, ah. I've seen more. I'm slightly more aware now. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the game itself is mostly missions where you are finding something, escorting someone, protecting a thing, defeating the guys. Those are like the four main things in that game, in this game. And if you're like, those sound like the missions everyone complains about in other open world games. You're right. They are. Um, I, it's interesting because like, I think this game acknowledges that like following someone or protecting a thing sucks in a video game. But the story is about Cat as a character who's willing to do things that suck because people need someone who will do the thing that sucks that no one else can do. And it just hammers that home in every mission you're doing. Yes. I mean, like, the game begins and the first thing you're doing is you have no powers and you're just going from one side of this, like, 
uh, area to another side to get story stuff, and then you, you're just doing nothing. You're just kind of walking around, kind of bored. It's like a very sedate, a bold opening, and there's no cool like power introduction. Uh, you're just being introduced to how like much it sucks to work here, uh, and I really appreciated that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the first game is like the most, even though it has kind of an open world structure, which is like a more recent um, trend it has like the most like 90s early aughts like video game as video game sort of structure for a lot of it and then the reason i think the second game is so interesting is they took that which uh, like the first game on its own is like i would almost call it perfect for what it is but then the second game they're like we we want this to be on the ps4 so it has to have like a more like almost like i guess like a um sort of looking for like a proper narrative structure Mm -hmm. and i think it works but like it's really interesting the ways that it's good and the ways that it's bad at doing that yeah i I think the first gravity rush ends up feeling like a like a japanese take on like a grand theft auto style game right where like in the first game it's been a while since i played the first game but you literally start on like one island you can't even get to the other islands until later in the game when they unlock Mm -hmm. And this game immediately is like, go way up high, go way down low. Like, you just need to explore this space as much as you've got. Because they know halfway in, they're going to kick you to the entirely different space. So there's no point in, like, locking off the the East Island until you've progressed the plot enough. Um, and that game, the first game specifically is about, like, going from quest giver to quest giver. Like, you return, you do, you do an arc where you're helping this person, and then you go help this person. You're working with the police, and then you're working for the fortune teller. Stuff like that. Uh, where in this, it's like... You're introduced to all the characters really early, so you're just focusing on exploring the city. There's, like, multiple factions, like, working against each other. What are their motivations? And what can you, as a person whose very nature is disruptive, do to, like, push the situation forward? And does that mean that Kat's fucking it up? Because oftentimes she's like, I'm going to help someone. Turns out she helps the wrong person because she's just that. She's just nice in a way that gets used by bad people all the time. (laughs) Uh, help that evil guy see his daughter just hang hang around i I don't want to be seen by the police um in i think that's the most annoying mission in the game where you have to lead the bad guy around and not get caught by the police that are swarming the island i hate that mission (laughs) hate it so much uh yeah that one's really annoying and i also the one that annoyed me was the one where you have to like start controlling the robots to distract the other police yes yes Uh, classic just annoying video game stuff um but i think mostly deployed well uh, yeah, the thing the thing is, it's not and it's not like wink and nod about like, ah, oh, yeah, cat hates all this stuff, too. But it does acknowledge that this is like the missions are labor in between flying around and collecting orbs and like hanging out and taking pictures, whatever you want to do um, to go into a mission is to be like, all right, we're doing a thing. We have to work for someone. And it, it's not like hiding that behind, like, you know, obfuscating the narrative. You're, you go and you pick up boxes and you throw them over the edge of an island. And, and Kat's like, this sucks. There's all these guards here. And everyone's like, yeah, we didn't want to do it. That's why we got you to do it. It'd be way faster. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, like I said, it's not necessarily like a video game, like, uh, classic meta, <laughs> now collect five rats. Isn't this stupid? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not doing it in that sense, but it is doing it of like what it means to be a, um, you know, superhero in the sense of, I mean, in the generic sense, right? Of like, yeah. the person who shows up and does stuff, fights the guys, helps the thing, is to do this. This is what it is. Uh, and it's very direct about that. Yeah. Um, 
So a weird thing about the plot that I absolutely cannot comment on, but that I also don't feel like I've seen anyone comment on, um, is the names of the uh, the antagonist and his two daughters, or you know whatever they are to him, um, all just come straight from. Uh, I believe they're all from uh, Hindu beliefs. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like a vague, it's kind of like in the Evangelion way where there's kind of like a vague, like structural similarity of what the characters represent to what the, the um, beliefs that it's based on are, but it's not like one-to-one, -one. but I'd be like mm -hmm. super curious if like anyone has actually written about that. Um, I want to know, like, if it's done well or not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it all seemed like fairly service level, like stuff to me, like, oh, the guy in charge, he's called Doctor Brahman, <laughs> and then you know his daughters are Kali and Durga, and I'm like, aha, I, yeah, you know, I also, <laughs> I don't even know that much, and I know what you're doing here. Like, I assumed it was fairly, uh, like, we. Yeah, know. I guess I don't know because on some level, it's like. I also played uh, Osser's Wrath, which does right, a lot yes. of the same, like, trading and tropes for anime reasons, um, which is fine if that's what they're doing. I just don't know enough about Hinduism specifically to be able to speak to that. Exactly. Um, so that, like I said, my assumption is also that surface level, just for, like, you know, uh, people to get who don't actually know. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I also can't speak to anything more specific. I definitely appreciate that they're going further into the metaphysical stuff in the first game, which is kind of like a, was like a last act reveal, um, that like, seem like the first game is very much like a, a young superhero introduction story, setting up a world state that we were, the, assuming they were going to build on in sequels, and then it gets this one sequel that just has to go in all, like, constantly about that stuff. Like, after the, after the, the chapter in, uh, Jira Paralao, which is all specifically about like, we're doing a second game. It's a new open world. It's like the, the things you'd expect out of a video game, the rest of it just is constantly deep into the story of like time and metaphysics and the encroaching darkness climbing up the world pillar um, with all of these like creator gods since uh, Kat made a bunch of friends with a bunch of creators last game and they're just kind of hanging out waiting to see if they're going to do anything or not. I love the gods in Gravity Rush. I love when the gods disagree. That's my thing. I, that's the <laughs> thing I love. <laughs> Uh, just, just always good shit. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. I love the part, like, at the end, they're like, you know, we don't typically mess around, uh, like, and change things, but, you know, you're nice. You've, you've, you've swayed us just by being, like, nice and helping people. Maybe we should, like, do something once, ever. ever so I guess yeah. we're going to do something this one time. <laughs> uh, it's great fun. That stuff's great. I mean, this game in general, I think, is, like... The first game's, like, very personable, especially for, like, a Vita game. There's, like, a lot of, um, you do a bunch of side missions that are all, like, themed. There's, like, the the maid missions or, like, the, the nurse missions or whatever in, in the original game. And this, that stuff has been, like, kind of de-emphasized, but I feel like the world itself has much more, like, moment-to-moment -moment character. Like, there's a lot of just going around and talking to people. There's a lot of, like, interactions you can do while you're out in the world. There's more, like, interrogating people in the city that are walking around, um... You know, there's, like, a cool photo mode that involves, like, take, you, like, you can even, like, collect pictures of people like Wind Waker has. It's like, I'm going to take a picture of every man in the city, and they'll go in my photo book, um, which ties in the online thing, which is now sadly gone. Um, the There was an online thing where you could 
take pictures of places as like a treasure hunt and then they'd be sent out online and you would go find where the person hid a thing like hid wherever they took that picture find it and then like turn it in and get coins that you could exchange for costumes most of the costumes are now hidden behind a service that no longer works which is a real shame they can only last Um, like a year yeah yeah it's yeah Uh, basically nothing it's ridiculous yes yep yeah um which is stuff that like i it's stuff that i never interacted with but um it's sad that it's gone it sucks that they closed that stuff down it's the worst part of modern games (laughs) yes um and like you said, like the the position of cat is fundamentally different in this game in a way that I find mm-hmm. really cool. And because the, the first game is doing like peak, um, you know, anime uh, Ghibli protagonist stuff of, uh, oh, I'm in the new city, but I have nothing, and I'm going to pull myself up, and I'm going to live in a sewer, but it'll be like a cute sewer, and I'm just going to like work for everyone who treats me like shit, but not in like a real way. It's just going to be fun. Um, anyway, I'm like, you know, I say that mean. <laughs> comes off mean because what i think about miyazaki movies uh but i think in this game it like you know in gravity rush it works really well uh you go through that and then you get in, you know get into the superhero stuff and then by this game like cat is established even in this new city she doesn't go through that process again she is part of like bigger structures from the off and that's what the game's about uh the entire uh first chapter is about like various factions and groups that are all in conflict and all of them want cat because cat is a destabilizing element uh and then you know the the other soldiers have uh got raven and put a mask on her and you're like oh are we going to deal with this is this going to be like the plot of the game and then you like take the mask off within two missions and then she's just back on your side because they have to get through so much plot in this game also the, the last game was about her being a mysterious antagonist and it's not interesting to like go back to that well yes um because raven's great i love raven she's so cool <laughs> Um, this game has a DLC chapter that came out about Raven that's about, cause Raven is, there was like kids lost and, uh, like they fell down the world, uh, pillar last game and, um, Raven got out and gained powers, but she's like time displaced from us them cause time works differently further down the pillar. Um, and her, her whole DLC campaigns about a bunch of characters that probably would have been in a third game, but it doesn't really matter. But specifically about her, like remembering what it was like to be that child and what it was like when she came to the city. Um, and then making a time paradox by saving the kids before they fell down the tree, but it doesn't erase who she is. It just means that young her gets to live her life with her brother, um, in the city and she just exists now in a weird space yeah they like erased the plot of the first game it's confusing it is not very well explained uh because they have to do it really fast um but the kids are in the city but everything you remember still going on uh and it also explains like why the other creators are like ghosts in this game because they got hit by the darkness and the light stuff um it's darkness darkness light exactly um it's it's a good it's a good DLC. There's one of the chapters that turns to Papa and Yo for no reason, um, uh, and the, so the part where like the the first two chapters of this game or the first three chapters, I guess, like everything up through Hexville is like very overly um, lush and as you would expect triple a game development right like they in a big city with big missions and lots of things going on and then they have all the plot to do and they run out of that they just run out of rope um and so the like the last section is all like there's there's like a, a short adventure game section where you're like going through a 
not a time loop, but like a daily routine. And you have to like manipulate the routine in order to get to the next bit. And then they bring back the uh, awful block puzzles from the first game um, where you're like gravity shifting is in puzzle, like single uh, spaces. And then you have to find ways to connect the blocks. Uh, and that's how you get your backstory again. Um, and so it just goes back to a different version of storytelling uh, because they don't have anything else, like, no way to like do that, right? They have to go to these like, more abstract, smaller versions of making a video game. Yeah. What's really... Um, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, go what's ahead. really funny about like the plot and structure of both of these games is like I don't have a good memory. So like when I... After I finish something, it kind of gets distilled into just like the vibes and the themes, and then that's it. And I think in that form, both of these games are like impeccable because like their vibes are great, and then like there are interesting themes going on, even if they're not whether or not they're well done. And then when I hear you like re describe the plot from start to finish of this game, I remember how much of a train wreck it feels like when you're as you're actually playing it, like plot wise. Like, it's just trying to get through so much so quickly and does not have the means to do it whatsoever. <laughs> I, well, I didn't mean it as, like, accusatory as that, I guess. I think it's kind of, it's like, it's fun, the energy with the, the end of the game has. Like, they just go through, like, and here's all the reveals to, like, questions that the game never... Because all of the reveals at the end of the game are based on questions from Gravity Rush 1 that nobody talks about through the main plot of Gravity Rush 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they go through them real quick. Uh, but once you get back to Hexaville, I think that, that stuff's fantastic. Like, the big final fight's amazing. Everyone, like, the bit where you finally play as Raven for the first time is such a good moment. Yes. Uh, everyone gets their big, like, anime fight moment and sacrifice or whatever. Uh, that's all so sick. I loved it. I mean, I think I think it's easy to project out, like, the third game being about, the, like, the city at the top of the world, and there'd probably be light and dark powers, because they introduced those light and dark antagonists in Raven's DLC. Um and about all of the things that happen in chapter four specifically, um, wrapping back around and being bigger and blown out and tied in with the God stuff more. Um, but you know, I think just hitting on it like really fast and like a, we're just going to tell you the story real quick. So you're not left hanging on what's going on in the world because we're never going to make another one of these is good. More games should do this. Just answer the goddamn questions and go home. <laughs> yes. Um, it's interesting because, like, when you think about the things that stick with you, like for me, it's 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 mostly the stuff in the in the in the second chapter, the the big uh, like city. It's Cat escaping this like base and getting roped in with a bunch of jazz musicians to be the singer for the song that they performed to the troops. That's like that was the thing when I first played the game. Like that's the main thing I took away is that bit where Cat's singing the song and it's incredible. Love it. Um, it's it's going up to the the part like the second tier of the city where it's all the mansions like each mansion is an island and everyone there's just the fucking worst person in the world um and you know the the first time you're you're there and they're like oh you need to go like down to the lower city and you go one below the city that you were at which you thought was like the at where average people lived and there's even a one below that which just like one piece of land that's like a like a slum like that's all it is it's just shacks in the dirt um and that place fucking sucks uh and then there's that one mission where you get the, the like gas canister and you're like you you could take this you could take it where we meant to go or you could just take it down to the, the the poor people and give them the gas um i don't even know what i would never consider taking it to the rich people i just went down and gave it to the people who were poor um but i assume that something else would happen if you go the other way it probably wouldn't matter but like 
it's the only time the game gives you a choice and like the video game way of you have a choice here. Um, I think it's interesting. <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a really good um, waypoint piece. Uh, like it's a letter series of Austin and Patrick talking about the early game of Gravity Rush 2, specifically about the ways in which the world is about class division and you as a character who gets to, because of your powers, gets to move between those things and make choices. But it's a world where literally the rich people live on islands above the poor people who live above the even poorer people who you don't even see because their place doesn't get sunlight. That, that's how bad the, the strata they live in is. Um, and that sounds very good. Like, you know, Final Fantasy VII happened to all of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, because the thing about like the place that you're in is that the, 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 the average place where like most people live is, is, is beautiful. Like it's sunny and it's like apartment buildings and like open, open plazas and like umbrellas and birds. And it, it's, it's great. Like the music there is incredible. It just seems like a fun place to be, but like that's, that doesn't mean that people aren't suffering from like an oppressive class above them in the clouds. Right. Um, and the game is not shying away from that in a way that, you know, more games could be about material conditions exist. <laughs> I really like how the game introduces it because it like it has this very obvious like, you know, metaphor of the people live who are the richest live the highest, blah, 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 blah. The classic been done a million times. Um, but the way it brings you into it is like in the chapter before you actually get to the city with the like, oh, Lisa's treating everyone like shit. I hate Lisa. Oh, Virgo's treating Lisa like shit. I hate Virgo. Oh, you know, it does it through the like characters before it does it through the um, metaphor, I guess. Uh, which I think works really well for the game's focus on like uh, what it means to navigate that stuff because it ends up not really being about how to... Um, how how specifically to uh resist like she's not really you know there's a revolution in the middle of the game but that's like a third b-tier plot at that point uh Mm because there's so much going on it's far more about how to like personally navigate the fact that everyone who is not everyone but a lot of people who fucking suck uh are doing this because of pressures from somewhere else uh and understanding the ways in which that doesn't like erase uh any of the things people do it's not like a and that's an explanation or you know excuse situation but uh these things are connected and the game's like very clear about that um vogo the guy who sucks like throughout the first part of the game is just an employee of some other guys like he's also scrapping scraping by but it makes it so he is cruel to other people by necessity because he has his quotas to meet um Lisa, Lisa's like from the jump is just like a lovable hard ass in the point where yes. it's hard to see that of her. But Vogo sucks and there's like very little to redeem him. Um, but he still like is a person who is suffering and the game is like grants him the space to be sympathetic in the same way that Lisa is. And I think that's good. Like it doesn't change that he sucks. Even when he shows up and he's on your side now, he still sucks. Sometimes <laughs> guys just suck and they're not evil. They just suck. It's the bit where he betrays you and then he can't actually do it. He's like, I can't fully betray you. So then he like crashes this ship in and saves everyone it's like a big oh Virgo sacrifice moment and an amazing bit afterwards where they're standing around like oh Virgo came around in the end it's like I can hear his voice now and then it pans and he's just like on the cliff like Jesus Christ pull me up <laughs> it's very funny in general um I am not this person so much anymore but in the time between when the first game came out and like shortly after when the second game came out I was very much immersed in, like, and also before then, I was very much immersed in, like, fandom stuff, like, Tumblr fandom, like, or, uh, fan fiction, fan art, and I think this would have been a, an amazing game just because of how, like, both characters are and how, like, you know, 
to have had that for, and it just never caught on enough for that to happen. And I want to go. Yeah, it's 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 a real shame because like the art in this game is fantastic. I love the characters. Like even incidental characters all have very cool designs. Um, like I I have. They put out figures of Cat and Raven in Japan. I have both of those, um, and I love them. Uh, they're like on my desk where I work on stuff all the time. Um, it's just, it's strange. Like this feels like it should be a franchise that has a, a devoted fan, even if it's not the biggest thing in the world. It might never do Spider-Man numbers, but it's so weird that it just didn't hit at all. Like maybe that's because the first game's on the Vita, but like the remastered version came out. It's on sale all the time for like under ten dollars. It's so, and that version's fantastic. The the PS4 version of Gravity Rush One is an incredible game runs at 60 looks great is a very fun people should play it mm-hmm. it's it's even weird and like this this game comes comes out in the year where everyone's making this post about oh japanese games are back like th- this game comes at the same month as yakuza zero like a couple months before near Mata, uh slightly after final fantasy 15 and last guardian um which are all games that like did well you right like uh on some uh, the last guardian did not do well did do not, not claim that on the last the la- guardian did the last guardian no not do well? i love the last guardian that game did not do well at all i thought the last guardian did okay in the end uh well okay so i guess it's just the japan studio games that get fucking shafted um because i know that's essentially them after all the stuff like split apart with whatever was going on with that development um but yeah, so all that stuff going on there's like a like a groundswell about oh japanese games are back which is like kind of a lie um just a weird narrative especially around the yakuza stuff which is like we just started getting more ports uh more like localizations they they never stopped making those games um and then like i i i don't know i don't know why Nier's the one that hit so big my like cynical mind says it's because like uh it isn't even like a critique of the game but like Nier is a game that you can write essays about you can say what it's like talking about in very direct ways and gravity rush has that as well with its like portrayal of the class stuff but it's far more like the thing that is impressive about gravity rush is the way when you press the button to make yourself like fling your like, change your gravity around it feels good it, it is like the most video game ass video game it is an incredible mechanic uh and it is not something you can intellectualize um and the ones that hit big are the games you can intellectualize, right? Like that's just like where the culture's at. And like, is that part of it to me? Is that like what it defines which like becomes like a blow up hit and which one doesn't even like get the cult recognition? I don't know. I mean, I would say it's just Sony didn't market these games. They don't give a shit, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. This game didn't even get a trailer at like on their E3 show when they had like two Days Gone trailers. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference between, like, Nier, like, Square Enix is going to do right by Nier. They will sell Nier hard. Like, Automata came out, and, like, we're going to sell this game, pitch it to people, like, way more than they did, like, the original Nier. Nier came out, the original Nier came out in a weird spot for, you know, selling Japanese games to the Western audience. Um, well, but, my, but when Nier came out, like, the re- before Nier Automata was, like, a huge hit, the first tone of, like, the praise for it was, no one's going to play this, but it's the best game ever. Yeah. Uh, from the, like, diehards who, you know, didn't expect this one yeah. to blow up. Which, um, yeah, I, I mean, I remember at the time when Gravity Rush 2 came out, people were like, you know, give this a shot. Like, it's great. We promise. Uh, but, you know, Sega's got, Sega's, be- of all the things Sega's bad at, and there are many of them, they know how to sell Yakuza to people. <laughs> they do now. They didn't for a yes. long time. <laughs> yeah, but they did. They do when Zero came out, right? Yeah, like- yes. Zero comes out. It's like, doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have backstories of six different games that no one's played. Yes. So they gave that one a big shot. Do you think the original mm-hmm. Nier does better in the timeline where Justin McElroy can figure out how to fish? <laughs> no, actually. I think I actually think that probably ended up helping at the end over oh, like it just got a middling it. review. 
you can just post the fish joke and you get like a thousand retweets now it's easy that's like absolutely one of like the cultural building blocks of why near fans think it is cool uh but i just it's it's weird because like the vita even the vita version of the original game is like I think it's like the most impressive game on Vita. Like it, it like that in Tearaway, maybe. Like it looks incredible. Uh, it runs really well. Like it, you know, there's like limited scope or whatever, but the, there's very little in games in the modern era that's like we're focusing on an open world that just feels good to run around in. Like that's the PS2 thing. Like Spider Man 2 happened and then it's been a long drought. <laughs> And Gravity Rush exists in that space, in the, like, Spider-Man 2, a uh, whole cult of destruction kind of crack space. Crackdown. Yeah, Crackdown, where it's just fun to be in the world. And that's not what open-world games have become. And I just don't know if they didn't know how to, like, pitch that. But just watching Cat fly around the space is, uh, like, I, I watch footage of those games. I'm like, this is the thing I'd want to play. It looks great. It doesn't matter if the combat's a little ropey. It's fine. You just kick the enemies. Like, it hones in most of the time. It's not a big deal. Um, the games are fun to play. I think... I guess in that sense, it's... Oh, you, you go. I was just going to say, I think, like, it's not just the fact that the Vita wasn't a particularly well-selling console, but also, like, the people who ended up buying a Vita, probably. Because, like, even I, like, I love action games, which is why I love this game. Mm-hmm. But, like, I bought a Vita for JRPGs at the ends, and mm-hmm. I think there's a large portion of the audience who bought a Vita for that, because that's what it's best at, who just aren't yeah. interested in a game like gravity rush yeah it's it's just interesting because I, th- I i think this game like even gravity rush is welcoming enough that i think that even if you're not like an action game person this is totally fine it's a totally fun time to play especially the first one which i think is generally like a, a easier game overall than this one there's a lot of escorting and protection in this game that the first game doesn't have at least in my memory mm-hmm. yeah the most obnoxious thing about the first game is probably like early on when you're trying to do the races before you have the upgrades. Here's actually, here's a question I have about the first game. Cause I don't remember maybe Jackson, you know, if you ran out of gravity juice in the first game, did you just like reset to the like nearest landmass or is the falling and restoring your gravity in that game too? A uh, falling and restoring gravity isn't like, you, it's just a time thing. You just press the okay. like, left trigger. For some reason then... I have a memory in the first game of constantly like running out of energy, falling off a landmass I was standing under on the underside of, and then like being reset, like absorbed by the darkness or whatever. That happens in like certain areas or like certain levels. Okay. Um, which happens in Gravity Rush too. If you, if there's an area where there's a challenge around it, you absolutely cannot like go believe them. Like, okay. like, yeah, I just remembered that happening more in the original Gravity Rush, but it's been years since I played it. When I was orb collecting, you could definitely just orb collect in that way. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, that was always a core part of the mechanic. I guess in some sense, it's like Gravity Rush One um, is a traditional like v- video game system seller in the way that they don't make anymore because that's not how games work, right? Yeah. Uh, it is a game with like a instant like instantly recognizable mechanic the mechanic communicates something about the like desires of the like machine that they've made uh and that's how you sold video games for many years uh like that is mario 64 uh that's like a lot of the early japan team output right when on the play playstation one um is weird things that show you why you want to buy this thing and by the time you get to uh uh gravity rush that's just not like what gets people into buying games to the mm-hmm. point where, like, I don't think any modern, you know, even like something like Mario Odyssey, which is a game they made with the Switch, I wouldn't describe in this sense. It's still like a Mario game, and they sell it based on being a Mario game, not on like, here's why you want to get the Switch, right? Uh, this just kind of fell out of how you sell video games because everyone grew up a bit. Yeah. I think a lot is lost in that. 
yeah, I didn't mean that as a, like a good thing. I just mean that like people are definitely older and have different preconceptions of what it means to have a video game now. Sure, but like changed. Knack blew up, and that's a, literally a game meant to sell the technology. Platform. Knack blew up ironically. Knack did not blow it. up. It's so miserable that that's the case. They made a second one out of nothing. Nobody actually likes the original Knack. I refuse to believe it. Some people do, because, like, the ironic appreciation for Knack does come from a genuine appreciation for, like, I miss PS2 games, but not. But there's, there's still gamers doing that, so they're not, like, supporting all the they're better. They're better just like PS2 games, and there were when Knack came out, and there definitely are now. Um, you could play any LEGO game. It's probably a better time than Knack. Yeah, that's true. I feel very strongly about this. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this game is, uh, it's great. I love it. Uh, <laughs> the part where you fight a giant flesh monster. Incredible. Comes out of nowhere. Beautiful. It does. It really does. <laughs> um, the thing I found in this game, I don't, you know, like I said, it's been a while. Like, this game to me is so much more about, like, like, cause you fight a lot of people in addition to the, the, the Navi. It's a lot of, like, I, I'm there's eight soldiers in this room. I'm going to pick up four of them and fling them at the other four characters, just like flinging guys to their deaths. Like you don't see it, but like the game is about the ways in which like the violence like erupts and they are not going to really hurt you like realistically, but you were definitely going to hurt all of them. <laughs> I never stopped being like, I don't know if it's impressed is the right word, but the, the fighting human enemies is like a horror movie starts happening. Uh, mm. In a way where the game doesn't like linger on it, the game's not about like, oh, aren't you really fucked up doing all this violence? Because uh, that would be boring. Um, but it definitely is like, no, the, the gravity powers are. Imagine if someone just like changed gravity next to you and then threw you across the room, and it just <laughs> does that. And every time there's people, it does that. And it never like, I was like, are they gonna start having the enemies have gravity armor or something? Because this is never hard. But no, they just do this every time. It's really funny and really good. Yes, you just slam the circle button, they all go flying. Yeah. Coming 2032, Gravity Rush, the line. <laughs> God. Um, do we have anything else? We have a bunch of questions, so figure we could move on to questions unless there's something else. Um, not necessarily. I'm just uh, really happy I played them. Uh, love that Gravity Rush. Big fan. Now yeah. I can be annoyed about it along with everyone else. I have some thoughts in my head about the ways that, like, the mechanic could be used in more interesting ways to, like, the way you relate to your environment. Because I think, like, even though, like, the game has, like, these spaces that you exist, you're embodied within, and then you come to recognize and, like, understand to some degree, like, I don't think the spaces are as developed as they could be for a game with this mechanic but that's also just like the mario thing right where like the levels are kind of like abstract and just there to be a place where you jump around i guess (laughs) yeah it's weird because like there's multiple stealth sections but the game is like too fiddly about understanding like it's not a game about cones and sight lines in a way that allows you being someone who can walk upside down or on the sides of things to like really exploit that um, and I don't know, I don't know if I'd want the game to be that cause I think it would hurt it in the way it's an open world game, but like seeing something that's like about cat being a character who can just walk upside down and on the sides of things, trying to sneak past stuff. Sometimes you do it, sometimes it doesn't work and it doesn't feel like it's explored well enough. Uh, but it is cool. It is a cool idea. I love hanging out upside down on things. It's great. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's, it's real good. Um, all right. 
with that, I guess we will take a short break and we'll be back with questions. It's time for questions. If you'd like to send in emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, they can be about anything. They don't have to be about our game clubs. In fact, I love it when they're not. I love when they're just random gaming questions. But we're going to go through them. We have 11 uh, this time, so I'm going to try to uh, go through them real quick. Uh, first one's from Aiden, which is just about how... This is one of my, uh, Aiden's favorite games. Um, question is, where do you see development going when Sony's just not making this type of game anymore? It, it, the gods of wars and horizon zero just keep getting bigger and bigger what what's the end point of the bloat where what's going to happen in the last next couple of years of video games oh, i mean my optimistic answer which i know tragically isn't true is total collapse no more video games um but i don't think that'll actually happen i assume it just continues to get more uh consolidated you know sony puts out one or two games a year um and well, you know, actually, you know, thinking about it more, I think the real answer is something I'm not able to quite perceive. I think it depends what happens in the next couple of years with Game Pass, but once that, like, really starts being successful and the turn of... Whenever Microsoft makes a turn of no longer, it's just, like, the, a good deal to get loads of games for cheap and it starts, like, going to the next phase of Netflix things, that's when whatever the new way of making video games is uh, on a different scale. I think it will be adjusting to the service model of whatever. I don't necessarily know what that looks like, but I think that's what comes next. Yeah. The two things I think of, and I don't know how to put these into narrative, they're just things that have been on my mind lately, is... Um, the next God of War, which, you know, I don't really want to belabor the point. Everyone knows I hated God of War 2018. Um, the next God of War is the end of the story. They're not doing a trilogy. They don't have time to make a trilogy because every game takes four years to make now instead of two. Um, and so they're just finishing up in two games. Like, this is the end of the story. Um, that's interesting. Also interesting is you saw some pushback right before Deathloop came out um, that it was, like, being shown too much. <laughs> too many trailers for Deathloop. Um, because there's no other games to show. Because this is the one game that's coming out this this like in this this season that that is like the big Western game. Uh, is there anything? Is Sony putting out anything the rest of the year? Um, I don't think so. I think we just yeah. got Halo. Halo. Microsoft's got Forza. That might is that this fall? That's not even this fall, is it? No. I don't even know. Uh, when's Forza Horizon Five coming out? I don't actually know. That is this year. That is fifth of November. Okay. Yeah, you just and that's not even like a big single player you know um we're just in this weird space where video games there just aren't any the games that people bought consoles for if like now that consoles they're coming into stock readily enough that i feel like most people who want a new console can get a new console um, less work than it was true six months ago um there are no games there are no games there's like three a year and everyone plays the same ones and then people are sick to talking about them but also it takes so long that like the sequel to the game you want is going to be four or five years away and not two years away 
Uh, I don't know what that resolves into, but it seems like a recipe for disaster, honestly. I mean, it's primarily resolved into, like, already games that exist to be ongoing service games and have you playing them for years rather than making sequels. Um, yep. And I'm sure whatever happens with Game Pass, whenever, like, you know, the next arc of them doing the next thing. Because we're still in, like, Netflix 20, you know, 2009 era where it's just the best. Yep. Um, and so we'll see how that goes as, as it goes forward. Uh but yeah, I, I don't know what happens with like Sony, like because Sony are like sticking to making these huge games, and there's just there's just none of them. There's just so few of them. They take so long. They say the same ones over and over again because there's enough different people who want different games, and all of those desires are getting into less and less things, and everyone's like noticing. Even though the trend started really happening 15 years ago with the HD development switch, uh, it's, it's kind of untenable at this point so i have no idea exactly where it goes i'm not smart enough no one pays i don't have uh the fucking money to be the analyst i just know it's gonna get worse <laughs> that's all i know i've definitely tweeted about like the the industry second industry crash like thing before and i don't know if that's gonna ever happen or not but like it does feel inevitable right because like at yes. some point like the the infinite growth like of like the the amount of money that games are making versus the, like even if you you know even if you account for like like microtransactions and, and blah 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 which more and more fucking games are doing now it's like at some point the cost versus the income has to like not be and like the development time and everything has to stop being worth it if they just keep going up right like if the PS6 like the PS5 like the PS4 has longer development cycles and more expensive development cycles like, the only games on the PS6 in the first year are going to be, like, Skyrim and GTA V. Yeah, I mean, like, that's already where things... Right, because, like, bleh, what am I saying? Um, making stuff in 4K is basically impossible already. Uh, there's already situations where people are like, where are the next-gen games? Where are the, like, next-gen... Uh, why is there nothing truly showing off next-gen? And I'm like, first of all, there's been multiple games that do that. Um, like, you know... There's, they made a demon cells. There's Ratchet and Clank. There's I mean, the, the the answer is like the 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 leap you want isn't a visual leap. It's not technology, right? Like the technological leap is already there. It's the fact that the games load really quickly. That exists, yeah. and everyone has that. Like the act, the thing you say when you like when gamers say that, what they mean is where's the like game that has ten years of labor poured into every asset, uh, and they don't realize that that's what they're saying. And I don't know where that goes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, question from Curly. Uh, which, if you could give, Curly has an email explaining, like, Gravity Rush 1 ends, like, slams the credits, right, as, like, anything story-related is actually revealed. Gravity <laughs> yes. Rush 2 has a lengthy denouement about telling you all the answers. What games would you give either the Gravity Rush 1 or the Gravity Rush 2 ending to? I do want to point out that Gravity Rush 2 has the Gravity Rush 1 ending before the final chapter. Yes. It does just yes, roll credits before anything is resolved. <laughs> Um. Oh, so it, what's the question? Is pre-existing games? What? Yeah. What game would you form? give the sudden Gravity Run ending to, and which game would you give the three-hour epilogue to? Oh, this is hard. Um. I mean, I would give um, I would give the three-hour epilogue to Final Fantasy X. I wish it had that. It does. I know it has an entire sequel. The sequel is about different things. I've met Eternal Calm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then slammed the credits. Uh, 
gosh, I don't even know. What game has too long of an ending? How many games do I finish? That's really the question. <laughs> right, that's my actual thing. Is I'm like thinking about games that have notable endings in either direction. I'm like, damn. There. <laughs> I feel like I feel like almost every game I play, by the time the game is over, it's always slamming the credits. I'm always like, you, the, I've never, I can't think of a single game where I'm like, this ending's really dragged on a little long. Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, damn. <laughs> Slam the credits. Jesus Christ. The first game that comes to mind technically does have credits before it's, like, way too long, like, epilogue that ruins everything. But okay. uh, Scarlet Nexus that I played recently, that game absolutely just needed to end with its credits and not keep going afterward. Because oh, great. I if, if it ended at the credits, I'd, like, legitimately think it was, like, a, a, maybe a little too anime, like, too, you know, but, like, for what it was doing but like it, it had a really strong thematic core it made sense it all tracked it you know it was, it was a good story like on its own and then it just everything after the credits like completely undoes that like solid story that they, they clearly cared about crafting for most of the game and then they just like did a basically like a deus ex machina kind of situation after the credits and it was like i credits rolled and i said to the person that i was playing the game like was watching me play the game this like might be one of my favorite games, and then after the credits, I was like, "Why did they keep going?" <laughs> Damn, you hate to see it. Um, there's there are a few things that do this. Like I said, I'm just full, but the real one is uh, Peace Walker because Peace Walker does the oh, um, fucking. Oh, uh, I forgot. Peace Walker does the Gravity Rush thing where it has a game which the plot of the game has basically nothing to do with the main plot, but it also does like a Shame of Scarlet's next thing where like. You know, the main plot of Peace Walker, uh, the like the main bulk of it, which doesn't matter. That's good. I like that story. You know, kind Peace of Walker is one of the best Metal Gear games until the post credit <laughs> stuff, which is one of the worst Metal Gear games. So fucking terrible. It's awful. Uh, the first half is just like a nice, you know, like anime original OVA, basically. Yeah. Uh, doesn't yeah. matter. Kind of breaks the law, but it's a good time. And then uh, it turns into an anime OVA. <laughs> and then it turns into a canon anime OVA. You're like, oh no. It's a disaster. Our next question is from Dia. I'm uploading the image that she sent into the okay. chat. Right. Give me um, the suffering. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. What should a lad like Isaac do? A picture of Isaac Newton sitting as cat is multiple cats are drifting by him. Question marks. <laughs> this is incredible. Thank you, Dia. I feel like I feel like if you had a gravity shifter and you were trying to understand gravity, it would actually just like increase our understanding of gravity. Maybe we'd have all sorts of cool gravity technology at this point oh it would absolutely make it easy to understand gravity because like gravity is such a default right like that it, you don't think about the way that gravity as a property changes things that's why isaac newton is such a big deal in the history of science uh, yep. so I, I think isaac newton would get on really well with cat and just be like hey can we try this <laughs> uh yeah i i mean they they did like even in the time of uh gravity rush they invent those cool like hornet suits like little mech suits they fly around in those are so cool i love them the, the thing about this um, image and like what it presents is that i start thinking about the gravity not as like the game presents it but as a real concept where it relates to like the mass of like a, a very very large object and, and such and then i mm -hmm. start questioning like well if gravity shifters were real are they like creating a mass that only exists relative to them and not anyone else around them and that's what's pulling, like, you know, like, I start thinking about, like, as if it was a real thing instead of just, like, a fun video game mechanic, and then I have no idea what's going on yes. anymore. The I mean, thing, the thing that I, um, 
I, the thing that I think sells this really well in the game is when you use your like aura, your pickup aura, you'll just like grab boxes and boards. They're not necessarily weapons. They're just like debris that goes with you. Like in reality, if you're shifting gravity, like you're peeling the, the, the facades off buildings as you go. Uh, anything you're pointed at is getting crushed sideways, falling over. Just be a mess. It'd be a disaster. <laughs> Uh, that's great. Uh, Devin writes in, did Gravity Rush 2 stealth sections kill this franchise? Seriously, what the hell? Uh, I'm a defender. We, I mean, we talked about it, right? Like, I the think, thing I, think I like, the good. thing I like about them is they're really sloppy. Like, you can have a guard spot you, max out his thing, and if you can beat him before he, like, does the official summoning sign, you're fine. <laughs> it doesn't matter. For most of the missions. There's a couple missions where you're, like, the one where you're escorting uh, the doctor across the rooftops. That's the thing. You don't go across the rooftops, you go underneath, but I was trying to do the rooftops literally every which way, um, because it, like, points you in that direction using the rooftops Wait, as your guide. Wait, did you not realize you had to go to the train station underneath? No, I was trying to get. It was a, it was a bad time. Okay, that's time. why that vision sucks. Yeah, okay, yeah, he did that. Uh, but I I generally think like well, there's even there's even dialogue where Cat's like, oh, I guess we can go across these rooftops. I I don't know. I mean, I there is, but I'm like, I did. I went straight to the train station, so I don't know what. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, but while I understand people being annoyed, I think the fact that like the game is about having this chaotic power. And thus the missions are designed around like limiting how you use it um, and how like contextualizing the amount of disruption this power has. I think that's a good choice. I think I think it is a good way to like make you like understand what it means to uh, have this uh, video game power. I, think, it's I think I prefer that for sure to like, like here's a situation where you're restricted in some way, but you have to use your power in a different way to get out of it is better than oh no, suddenly for this puzzle, I don't have my power. Whether that's like... That happens. Yeah, yeah, on the islands or on the, yes. the big floating yes. void of white squares. Like, I way prefer the stealth missions to the like the the uh, the tablets that give you variant things. Yes, um, yeah. And I also prefer... I, I prefer stealth missions to like the other way that this would go in a lot of video games, which is you would get enemies that like negate half your powers. Yeah. Um, and there are many ways to do this, and I actually think the this, this stealth situation is smarter than some of the other ones that people find annoying. The other thing about this like game, as it's like structure works, where it has like a lot of like random mini games, is I think like because it was originally developed as a mobile game for the first one, I think they expected you to play mm -hmm. it for like half an hour at a time, and that's why there's like so many mini games yes. and so many like weird sections because like you just take it out and you do one like interesting thing and then you put it away, and then the next time you're ready to play Gravity Rush, you're not like you don't get burned out from all the weird different things you're doing because it's like you're doing them bite-sized. But then no, yeah. once the game's on PS4, a lot of people like, that's how I play most games, honestly, is I just play it like half an hour, an hour at a time, and then I come back like, even if the mm -hmm. same day, later the same day. Um, but I think a lot of people have a tendency to play, especially console games for like, you know, like a four-hour session or even longer, and that's when you, you'd probably get burned out yes. on this game a lot more easily. Yeah. Um, Eric writes in, what if Japan Studio made God of War 2018? Would it be good? I don't know what that looks like. What does that, what does that mean? I mean, it would be better, but I don't know. <laughs> I, what... I want a Last Guardian style game where you are a uh, little kid leading your horrible action game dad around through like commands. Like, I need you to go kill this guy and like point. And he's like, oh, I'm busy collecting orbs, boy. That's going to be my first. I mean, that's my opinion about, um, about God of War in general is that it's like, 
it's clearly like a passing the torch game, but it still has you playing Kratos for both of them. And it's like really weird that you're not playing, as far as I know, you don't play Atreus at all. Um, no, and the second game seems like it's not going to be, it's just adding him more into the fray in, in the second game. Like you're still playing as Kratos. The part where the second game doesn't have you play as him instead of Kratos, I don't understand it. Even Last of Us did that right. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd be interested in a game about directing an action game guy, but you're not the action game guy. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, Jake writes in, um, constant conversation of games history is me wondering if there's any cornerstone games that you just don't feel the need to complete. For me, for example, I didn't grow up with the N64 Zelda games, but I've seen them enough in Let's Plays or speedrun events. I don't feel the need to go back to them myself, even if that's a completely different experience than I'd have if I did go back. I think that's still experiencing them. I think that's totally valid. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, we only got limited time. You do what you want. You, like... I think if you've, if you've watched someone like play through Ocarina and it's someone who loves the game and is explaining how it works and everything, like you have a good sense of what happens in Ocarina of Time. Um, unless you're watching one of the like crazy glitch ones, but like, you know, the flow of that game, you know what it's about, you know what, like the things you do, maybe you haven't played it, but like that's better understanding than just it not being in your awareness. Yes. It, it is the idea that there's like a single right way to play or experience or even watch something is like, you know, you have the context you do have and it's better than nothing, right? Like you cannot go all in and have a full playthrough of every game ever made. Some things will just yeah. have to be uh tangential awareness. Anyway, mine's Final Fantasy Tactics. So what's the actual question, the specific question? What is a cornerstone game that you just don't feel the need to complete? Oh, um, ooh, complete, complete changes it. Touch isn't one thing. Like I'm never, I'm never finishing Dark Souls. I've played like. 20 oh yeah, hours I mean, uh, yeah, my, uh, Half Life Two, a big one. I've played it plenty of times. I'm, I'm never gonna finish that game. I don't like that game. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Skyrim because I've never gotten more than an hour into that game. Um, oh, yeah. that feels like a boring answer. I wish I could come up with something better. No, I think that's valid. And I think the thing is, I think the everyone's answer on this is kind of be kind of a boring game, right? Like, because it's a game that's like everyone's talked to death, but you're just not vibing with. Maybe you just didn't catch it at the time, whatever. Um, if I didn't, if I hadn't bought Skyrim and played Skyrim when it came out, Skyrim would definitely be one of those for me. Uh, there was like a very narrow window where I would have been a person who completed Skyrim, and I did, and that never happened now. Um, Ryan writes in, "What are your favorite video game controllers?" I mean, the Xbox Series X one is real I, good. I do, I do like that one a lot. It basically uh, nailed the form. Uh, GameCube controller. I'm a GameCube controller truther. They're good. Yep, they're, they're just good. good. I mean, if we're counting um, any controller whatsoever, my answer would probably be the yeah, 8-bit SN30. That's a good one. I like that. I have the uh, one with the handles, the Plus, which I like a lot. It's my default Switch controller. Yeah, I have one, but I feel like the um, D-pad's a little too rubbery, or I don't know, a little too much. I prefer a clicky D-pad, is like what I'm saying. Mm. It's generally the way okay. I go. Uh, but it, yeah, it's Fair. a fine controller. Um, I think the controllers these days are you know generally pretty good. Like You go back to the 360 controller, and you're like, this is fucking terrible. How did I ever deal with this? It's the regular controller I played. The uh, DJ Hero controller. That's a good controller. That is a controller. A good controller. I love music game controllers. I miss them. Tycho, Tycho, uh, Notasogen drum controller, sick controller. Love it. Uh, Still good. I think the only control, like, rhythm game with a weird controller I played was, uh, like, Guitar Hero Rock Band. So, 
Yeah. I um I can see my Rock Band 3 keyboard controller where I'm sitting. It's up here in the closet. Uh, still got it. Have, have, we'll never play that game again, but not going to get rid of the keyboard, I guess. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. I mean, that's also a uh, MIDI keyboard, right? You don't have another MIDI keyboard. Not that you're using one, but if you ever needed to, it works. Yep. Uh, Neil writes in asking about what you think was responsible for the death of Gravity Rush 2, which I think we've covered unless anyone has like another idea they want to float. Uh, I only want to note that like, I think it is worth reminding ourselves in all things that success and is basically luck at all times. It is who, yeah. like, you know, who was aware of this? Which, like, culture trend did it happen to catch? Why did this thing catch on at this time when this similar thing didn't catch on a different time? It's, it's all luck. It's always luck. Everyone's working hard. A lot of things are good. Some also, things are odd. corporate willingness to, like, pave over failure is a thing that Sony is not willing to do with, was not willing to do with Japan Studio, right? Like, there's games that don't sell what people expect, and you just don't hear about them being disappointments because they're not going to talk, talk, talk to you about them, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the broader thing is that, like, to the Sony executives, Japan Studio failing was what they wanted because the the fucking civil war inside of Sony who have to, like, make the decisions. Mm-hmm. It is good for the people in America when Gravity Rush fails because they then their decisions hold more weight and their projects get more attention, right? That was, like, the thing we learned of what was going on inside Sony. So you yep. want to say, like, it was sent out to die. Maybe it was. But, like, I also generally think that, like, the things that cause something to blow up are not as clear-cut, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, you can't be like, oh, if only they did this differently, it would have been a success. The primary reason is basically just that Sony didn't try to make it a success. But like, and then the secondary reason, which I kind of alluded to earlier, is that like, I think this is a game that could have very easily just like organically grown a fandom that would have like caused it to become popular regardless, just because it has like, you know, very likable characters with very good designs that like are yeah. good for like doing fan art and such. And I mean, I think I think a world where Gravity Rush was a Switch game like does really well has a yeah. fandom. Absolutely. But uh, for what one reason or another, it didn't catch on in that that realm either. Like the way where you know you got like a million fan arts uh, fan artists doing art of the characters that would have also done it, but did not happen. Uh, Alex writes in, not with a question, but just uh, was listening to her episode with Dia about glitches in games um, and was playing Fallout 3 on PS3 and had it crash so hard it turned off the PlayStation and their TV. <laughs> Which, um, as someone who played Skyrim, as we mentioned before, on a PS3, before they patched all the weird broken shit out of that game, uh, yeah, I believe it. I've had, I, I had Skyrim crash my PS3 so many times. Yep. <laughs> Because I would just go in and I'd be like, okay, I got 20 minutes till the backwards flying dragons crash the game. Can I accomplish anything in 20 minutes? That was how I completed Skyrim in like bursts before the game crashed. You'd never even put up with this now. Imagining you no, having the time to like put not. up with not only playing Skyrim in any form, but playing it in this circumstance. Yeah. God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God. Um, and then we have one last email from Amelia. Um, Games folk on, ex- on exploration and movement are sometimes so incredible. It feels I feel like a fool for wasting my time on games focused on enjoyable combat. What other mechanically satisfying non-violent action do you wish more games focused on? First question. There's like three questions here. I mean, uh, what other mechanic do you? Hmm. The like seven good stealth games I've played in my entire life make me feel like if there were more good stealth games, I'd enjoy that. But there's just not. Yeah. That's fair. 
I like uh, I like climbing on stuff. There's a lot of games that do that, but I feel like doing it really well is like still kind of a lost art. Um, please let me climb on stuff well. Um, I, I feel I know stealth can be a non-violent mechanic, but it usually isn't. Kind of depends, but yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, it's still even fundamentally like you know. European Extreme Metal Gear is still different than, like, God of War, right? Yes. <laughs> In um, terms of violence. But I do think, like, the... the okay, maybe they're just the stealth games I enjoy, but, like, if between Metal Gear to, um, you know, Immersive Sims, a lot of the stealth, like, fantasy is to be able to, like, extract violence at any time unseen, which is its own yeah. violent fantasy. Uh, sure. Which but I enjoy. stealth games are just about avoidance. That's true. That's true. Um, what's the worst type of guy to fight in a video game? I vote for dogs. <laughs> dogs are an annoying type of guy. Um, I think it's I think it's any guy who's got a shield that like blocks your attack. Yes, and you gotta thank wait for you. An opening. <laughs> it is the guy who's uh, has either a shield or a power armor that means all your regular attacks don't work anymore. I think this is less common than the shield guy, but like I can think of a couple games that have the guy that like hurts you as you damage him and that's like oh yes usually there's some mechanic to offset Especially... that like some way to like get your health back but even then it's just like frustrating yeah especially if it's like an electric guy that will like stun lock you if you hit him while he's being electric that sucks i hate that <laughs> i mean electric guys flat out are not not great guys <laughs> yeah um what is the worst brand that gamers still care about and want back well, I don't know what that means, but hmm. Kid Icarus. <laughs> you tell him. You continue your war with the six people in the Kid Icarus fandom. <laughs> <laughs> They're not hurting anyone. They're not hurting anyone. No, no, no. It's fine. Whatever. What would it be at this point? I feel like everything that's going to come back comes back. Um, what are people demanding that they're not getting out of video games at this point? Well, there's a lot that people aren't getting. It's just, like, everything is, like, Metal Gear and... fans, I guess, at yeah. this point? Yeah, yeah, we are. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I'm gonna fucking... Next week, I will be spending my time desperately trying to make the terrible gunplay of Death Stranding feel like Metal Gear in these new stealth arenas. Well... That's what it's come to. Good job. I feel like at one point in history... Oh, I know exactly what it is. It's fucking Jet Set Radio. Like, first of all, first of all, <laughs> all right, here's I didn't the first mean to thing. put Jackson on blast. Emma's like just this, really going after really both got... of us here, Jackson. First Metal Gear, now Jet Set. It's so rude. Like, first of all, Jet Set Radio is. I've never. Well, I played like an hour of Jet Set Radio. I didn't like it. Jet Set Radio Future, on the other hand, that's a classic game I, I love. I, I'm sure it's annoying in many ways now, but the affection for that is real, and there literally hasn't been a game like it in two decades. Like, it's not a game that, like, kind of continued, or you see I mean, see that. actually, there's six games that really desperately want to be it, but have done so poorly. And, and we just keep crapping up our video game slate. What was the last one? I was, there's not one that has the actual guy on it. Yeah, but it yeah, hasn't come out yet. Whatever. I've been hearing about it for years. It's, it's had one gameplay trailer. It no shut up this is this is the time this is now this is the fucking bloodstained for me you had your stuff oh bloodborne fans absolutely <laughs> <laughs> you know fair enough 
You're never getting a port. It's never happening. <laughs> uh, the Blood Bowl fans are funny because they're right. The game should have a nice 60 frames per second mode. That should just yes. be true. Uh, I agree with you. I'm not like here to disagree on principle, but you are. It is like, you know, this fucking why, you know, can't the Yankees win of video games? It's the most popular franchise. There are four, and you know, there are at least five other Souls games that you can play perfectly on your any console that's a new. Uh, but it's not this one. It's not this one. I under and as someone who's weird about so I understand. I have mine for these. It's just not this one, so I I get to just kind yeah, of like point that's, that's <laughs> the thing is like because I am the the Bloodborne fan, although I'm sure I'm, I hope I'm not as annoying as like the ones you're thinking of. But like I do just like keep wishing it would come to PC because I don't have my PS4 hooked up all the time, and I don't want to have to break that out just to mm-hmm. play like because I can play Dark Souls anytime, but like I want to play Bloodborne, you know. <laughs> yeah no that's fair um i mean the, the bloodborne thing is not that not the bloodborne shouldn't get that i agree it should it should just be accessible it is that uh, there's a lot of gamers who like say that to the like exclusion of everything else as if there's not a million games that have been left behind right by sony yeah, exactly i think i think the silk song people are gonna be these people if they don't shut up soon <laughs> i love Hollow one of my favorite games the only game that got game of the year for me two years in a row Shut up. It's coming eventually. <laughs> Leave it alone. It'll be That's here when thing. it's here. This isn't true Knock anymore, but the answer I was going to give earlier, um, and I think at least Emma is old enough to remember this, um, there was a period in time where this was the Half-Life fans, and now, yes. like, there's a few of them that are annoying, especially with, around Alex, but, like, for the most part, like, the Valve fans make fun of Valve more than anyone else, but, like, at one point, they were just, like, the worst people to, to interact with in, yeah. in game spaces. <laughs> I do remember this. I'm not that young. <laughs> I, know I mean, up, up, until, up until three months ago, I would have said the Metroid fans. As a Metroid fan, stop it. They're never making another <laughs> Metroid. Eggs on my face, I guess. They made Metroid Dread real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nothing compared to that. No other fandom is getting that. What's an, what's an even thing that could eat? Like, not that will happen. What's a thing within the possibility space of the universe that could even be on that level? I can't even think of it at the top of my head. Ooh, I don't know. I there the games like that just don't exist anymore. Like Shenmue happened. No right, one cared. Shenmue happened and no one cared. Seven remake happened and I care, but I wish I didn't. It's um, still happening. <laughs> still, it will be happening for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's on the equivalent of Metroid Dread. It's, <laughs> I hope it's good. I'll find out in a month. I think or so. Bayonetta three almost gone there, but now it's finally been like revealed. So the Bayonetta three situation is like I've heard stuff about Platinum and the director leaving two years ago, uh, three years ago, I guess at this point has me like trepidatious about that game. I'll play it. I hopefully will enjoy it, but I'm, I'm no longer as like yeah, Bayonetta three as I was when it was announced. I mean, the thing about Platinum is that Platinum has been a bad studio for as long as they've existed, almost certainly, um, because Clover was also a bad studio. Uh, yes, and yes, and like I mean, when I say I've heard thing, I just mean like a, you know, shitty place to work at in the way you would expect from the studio that all the like Wonderkin developers go off and found for themselves. Yeah, uh, but I'm I, yeah, I'm, I hope to enjoy Bayonetta three. It was it was really the um the Bayonetta one uh, the Bayonetta two director leaving like two weeks after he was non-stop posting Bayo 2 stuff. I was like, something happened here. <laughs> that was a story. The unfortunate thing about my relationship to Bayonetta is that uh, a lot of it is tied into that the fandom stuff I was talking about earlier, where like I was really into like the, the fan spaces for Bayonetta, and like I, there's a part of me that really cares about like Bayonetta and Jean as like a... As they, they, they 
made stuff outside of like the games that imply that they consider them to be a couple, but they put absolutely nothing in the games that had that shows that yet. And there is a part of me that cares no. about whether or not that happens in Bayonetta three, and I know it's not going to happen. So like, no. I'm just ready to be let down, but like, I can't let go of that part of me because it's just it's there from the years I spent in that in those spaces. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The stuff with that is like, I get it. Um, it's weird, right? Because like they are literally a couple in that game. I mean, Cat and um, Raven are basically a couple in this game. In the game mm-hmm. we played, yes. uh, this is just the mode. In I feel like this has been uh, over the last decade just a a switch in how uh, a lot of media is talked about. Where like this has been a long-standing way that a lot of uh, Japanese media has like portrayed queerness. That is started to grate on a lot of western fans um i'm sure it also great on japanese i mean fans. this happens not... in western media too right like you know. um yeah yeah no but I'm, i think that like there has been a shift here that is not reflected in the like uh stuff like this mode of this kind of i don't even want to call it queer baiting it's just like a specific mode of portraying female intimacy that is yes. both both is and isn't this at the same time is a mode that's existed in anime and games for as long like it hasn't changed it hasn't changed our you know culture here has changed and i'm sure the culture in japan has changed I don't know. i'm not saying it hasn't over there i'm just saying i don't have the context i only know i'm just how saying i'm just saying the bayonetta fandom is not any different than stucky fans like this is just in the culture well, that's fucking true there's a lot of like latent these characters are buddies in a way that like is going to invite speculation but the mass media is never going to hook characters up like this because it would alienate a good section subject maybe even not even a majority like just a part of their audience and they want to be able to like not do that i think there is a difference between those two things i couldn't i would need I to don't research think, i don't think there is i think that's i think not true. get back to me when they're selling fucking stucky figures is my thing like the the queerness of these characters is marketed more directly than it is from the like marvel star side yeah of like things. it's very absolutely outside I mean, of the games there's like official concept art that shows them doing like very just mm-hmm. clearly couple things um one of the poll one of the things that um I can't remember who it was posted this. One of the developers posted a poll that had like, um, who's your favorite couple from a platinum game? And it was, and one of them was Ben and Jean. And it was like, it's like they're they're very upfront about this is what they consider them to yes. be outside of the games, but the games never actually show it. Which I think is like, I do think that is different than like the cat and Raven stuff, which is like they're friends. They hang out in the way that like writers hang out, and that can be projected on multiple ways but like a lot of their stuff specifically is also like just you know the the tough girl and the like the nice girl hang out together like they could be sisters as well as they could be like a couple in the way even like the the fan art is depicting it or not the fan art the like official art and like all of the stuff that's around that narrative um i think that is different than bayonetta specifically because the 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 platinum people go in on the like you know they talk about in the design of bayonetta it's like oh yeah we wanted her to look like a librarian because people got like glasses fetishes like they know in a way that I don't think Rowdy Rush is designed the same way, like in the same sensibilities. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, like I say, I mean, if I said anything like shitty, I'm literally off the top. No, of my no, brain. no, it's like, it's a nebulous space for sure. But yeah, I just yeah. think I think this happens in a lot of media, and mass market media just hates pairing people up that isn't like compet, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like Bayonetta two begins and they are like out shopping together for their uh, fucking like Christmas thing. Like they are so explicit in those games. I I guess even yeah. like I say even beyond the like normal space. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah anyway but yes i agree but also not in a thousand years they're gonna get together i know how this goes 
yeah would i would never expect that um anyway uh is that sorry i lost my place um that's it yeah that's it damn we did it oh i was gonna say uh band has new hair is mid i don't like it i think they could have done something more interesting well i mean have you seen all the fan theories about the hair no what well, it's it's basically cereza's hair it's like her regular hair well, yeah, I know that because I've seen what Sarah's little like, girl yes. looks like. Yes, but like they should have given her a mohawk or something. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Uh, I'm just saying when Bayonetta Two was announced, everyone's like, "Oh, look at the cool new hair." No one's saying that about this design. They're like, "Oh, that okay? Yeah, I see. I see what you're doing here. It's not the same thing." <laughs> Some people are doing that, but yes, it is much more like, "Oh, is this teenage Bayonetta time traveling?" Um, is yep. the is the theory now? Um, not, it's not cool. It's not immediately cool in the same way the Bayonetta 2 was. I do want to so. say about those theories that while they might be true, and there's a lot of evidence for them, I don't think the voice actor thing is evidence for that. If it was, the actual voice actor wouldn't be posting on main, like, being mean about it. <laughs> like, it's just with um, Metal Gear Solid 5, there was some bullshit going on, but it had nothing to do with why David Hayter wasn't in that game, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. I, um... Also, I oh, like this kind of like before the game comes out theorizing stuff is just I don't know I think I used to engage with this and then like um MatPat happened and then I stopped <laughs> what does that mean sorry I'm an ancient <laughs> uh, the YouTube channel uh, Game Theory has, is hosted by the dude MatPat oh right Game yeah, Theory and yes. ever since like that just made me hate like anything involving like theorizing about because like i just want to wait till the work comes out and then see what it is like maybe yep. maybe she's like some weird like alt version of Sarah, and maybe she's just bayonetta and she changed her hair like there's no way to know until the game comes out Here's, we'll see it <laughs> yeah i think a lot of this is just like i'm a busy person with a lot of interest i don't have time to like spend theorizing about things that will just be proven untrue in a, in a year um mm-hmm. I like I just have too many interests to do this. Um which is not like a negative for people to do. Like I wish I cared that much about one thing, period. I guess like sometimes I do with this with Star Trek. That's about it. <laughs> uh yeah. And my thing is that by getting into Kingdom Hearts, I see this so uncut that like any of the Bayonetta stuff is just like this is weak shit. You're not <laughs> you're not on you know <laughs> the, the Kingdom Hearts fans have been doing this for decades. And they've been miserable ever since. That's true. None of the, none of the theories have been resolved, and it's been twenty years. Okay, questions. If you want to send emails, again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, next month, we are playing Star Ocean, the Super Famicom game. You can get a fan translation of that. Uh, play it that way. If you want to play the PSP re-release on your Vita or whatever, that's fine. But please understand, it's a radically different game, and what we say will probably not line up very much at all so <laughs> yes like the script's completely different there's animated cutscenes yeah. the combat isn't even slightly the same it is yeah, a different it's just it's game. in the it's in the star ocean 2 engine which is a much different game came way later so just be aware of that um so yeah that's it scarlet would you like to plug anything uh yeah so i have um a twitter which is scarlet the two t's miracle and uh anything else that i do because i'm working on like youtube stuff podcast stuff uh you'll be able to find that there because that's the easiest way to do that <laughs> okay uh jackson you can find me at headfuls off on twitter.com you can find the podcast that me and i do at abnormalmapping.com uh we're doing a bunch of cool podcasts 
Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being, and you can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normal mapping. Uh, there's a bunch of goofy stuff, but at $1, you get great Gundam project at $5. You get uh, blockbusters where we watch a movie and break it down every month. Uh, we are about to do our episode on, uh, rain man, which is going to be a whole thing. Um, Ten dollars, you get VoIP life. Where we just recently put together um, <laughs> some <laughs> rosters for a, a Sony and a Microsoft like fighting game, like Smash. You're like Sony already had one. I was like, yes, but we did a different one with a different roster, some crossover, but actually not that much, all things considered. Um, it was fun. Uh, we do a lot of goofy games related stuff there. Um, that's it. I think we'll be back next month. Thank you so much, Scarlet, for coming on and getting us to play these games. It was great. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and until next time, play some video games or don't, you know, yeah, be like Jackson. Don't play a video game. Don't be like me. Just generally speaking. <laughs> don't be like me either though. Cause I have like six games that I'm playing right now and it's just worst. Play one game at a time. I'm watching anime.
Le jour.